Well, good morning. It is good to be here, whether you are joining us here in person or you are online. I am Reverend Nicole Riley, the lead and teaching pastor here. And as always, if you'd like to follow along, you will find sermon notes on our app. Today, we are continuing our series. Can you tell what it's called by the decorations? Right? It is called Joy. And we last week started by talking about the joy of worship. Today we're going to talk about the joy of community, and then next week you're to wear red because it is going to be the joy of the Spirit, and we are looking at Pentecost. What we're going to talk about today, community, I'm really excited to share with you about because it is very countercultural, and I say that because when we talk about community, Usually, as Americans, we're more about independence, right? We have our Declaration of Independence. Wouldn't it be great if we had a Declaration of Community instead, right? We have our Declaration of Independence. We've got songs like, I Got to Be Me, and heroes like the Lone Ranger. We value our independence. We value being independent people financially and having our own self-sufficiency and having our own autonomy in decision-making. And in many ways, there is absolutely nothing the matter with any of that. In fact, that's part of our development as people, right? Our children, when they're little, they move from being 100% dependent on us to being able to feed themselves and clothe themselves and eventually able to provide for themselves. And that is good, says the mother who just stopped writing checks for her son's education. Right? <laughs> Independence... We understand why it matters and why it's important, but it is not the goal for us as Christians. In Romans 12, it says this, since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. We do need one another. It is not optional we are called to be interdependent. And for us, that can be hard to embrace depending on how we are wired as people. But for Christians, we're called to be in community if we want to be who God has called us and created us to be. So today we're going to look at the importance of community. We're going to also look at some of the challenges that we face when we are in community. And then we're going to end up with looking at, for those of you who struggle with being in community, why it really, really matters. So let's start with our text. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 20. For just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, 
and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot were to say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, but one body. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this is a long text, and it's got a lot of imagery in it. So what I want to do is I want to look at it in two big sections. So the first section is the very first part of it. So let me just read that part again. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is showing us that the vision that God has for the church, and it is a vision of diversity and unity. Now, too often, we confuse unity with uniformity, meaning that we all have to be alike in order for us to be united. We know that in the world, there is certainly a belief that it is easier to gather with people who are just like us rather than to reach out across to what divides us. Few communities purposefully reflect the diversity around them, and that diversity includes ethnicities, but also lifestyle and economics and worldview, so much more. Yet the vision that God has for the church is that the church is where the final reconciliation of God's work in Jesus becomes visible. And this means that the church is an expression of diversity. Diversity isn't a problem to be solved. Diversity isn't something to be managed. It is seen as a gift. It is seen as something that God has given us, and it is God's work among us. So what is all of this based in? Well, the scripture says that this new vision of diversity is all based in our baptism. Yes, our being baptized is what welcomes all of us into God's family. And it gives each and every one of us a seat at the table. And that seat is an equal seat to every other person. Our baptism is what is foundational for us to be a community. 
basically what Paul is trying to say to us is that just like our body has many parts or many members, the church will have many members, and though the parts of the body look different, they are united. They work together. And it has to be the same among us as people of faith. We will not all agree. We will not all look alike. However, we are called to all work together because we are part of God and we became part of this life in our baptism. So the things that divide in the text, it says Jews or Greeks, slave or free. Today we might say Democrat or Republican or pro-choice or pro-life or native English speakers or non-native English speakers or white people and people of color or rich or poor, whatever, whatever categories we divide ourselves into, those things take a back seat because we were called to drink of one spirit. That's how the text puts it. And it seems a little odd to our ears to drink of one spirit. But what that phrase means is that in our baptism, in the baptismal waters, we were invited to take in the things of God. And as we take in the things of God, then we live out the way of God. So two things we see so far in today's text. First, we see the joy of community and relationships isn't found in uniformity, but in something deeper. God's claim on each of us in our baptism. And then the second thing we see so far in our text is that we see when it is hard for us to get along one of the things we're encouraged to do is to drink of God's spirit. That's something we do in prayer. We, in scripture reading, we take in the things of God, for the spirit makes us one. This includes worshiping together and sharing life with those not like ourselves. I saw a great example of this second one a couple weeks ago. A, a friend came to me who was saying that in his small group, he has small groups at his church, that he was struggling with someone in his small group. In fact, he said this person was causing a lot of trouble and people were getting hurt in the small group. And as he talked about it, he said, you know, I have really been praying about this situation and this person so that God can help me know what to do. And I loved he said that. I loved that instead of getting mad and frustrated by this person, he went to God. He sought to drink in more deeply of the Spirit so that he might understand the best way forward. So these are our first two things I want you to see with the text. Now let's look at the next section of the text together. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, 
where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. So Paul is using this big metaphor, right? He's talking about how a community of people is like our physical body. Now, Paul was not the only one to use this metaphor during his time. In fact, this was a common way of talking about community. But Paul uses this image very differently. You see, in Paul's time, when people talked about this metaphor of a group of people being like a body, they did it to support social hierarchy. In other words, people would say things like, well, as we all know, every body has a head, and in our society, that head which guides and leads people are the wealthy and the elite. And every body needs hands and feet, and in our society, we know that that role of working and caring for the fields is done by the lower classes. So, Paul uses it in the exact opposite way. He uses the metaphor to emphasize that every single part of the body matters, and no part of the body can function on its own. He even takes it one step further when he says a little later in the text. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect whereas our more respectable members do not need this. So he's not only talking about how every part in the body is needed and is equal, but he's talking about also how that there are parts of the body which the text calls less honorable. And he says that those parts of the body that are less honorable, and you can just figure out which those are, they are used... Um, they, are, they are to be covered with more great honor. So what does less honorable mean? What is Paul talking about? He's talking about a couple things. So one of the things when he talks about people being less honorable, Paul is talking about something he develops later when he talks about spiritual gifts. So spiritual gifts, for those of you who may not be aware of what the Bible means when it says that, spiritual gifts are the things that God gives every person of faith to build up the church and to build up the world. So there are things like the gift of teaching or the gift of healing or the gift of compassion or the gift of serving or the gift of hospitality. So we are all given these spiritual gifts. And less honorable may in fact point to the reality that as people we tend to value some gifts more than others. We tend to think some gifts are more needed and necessary than other gifts. 
They are less honorable because they're less needed by the community. Paul is saying, no, all gifts, all people are equal and matter and have a place at the table. We also think the second thing Paul's doing when he talks about less honorable is he's talking about um, this idea that we think of some people as lesser than. And what that means is that as human people, we do this thing where we divide people hierarchically and decide who matters more and who is lesser than. In some cultures, it's if you're too young or you're too old or if you're differently abled or if you're an outsider to the majority culture. The big idea that Paul is talking about here is this hierarchical lens. And I think we participate in this sometimes because when we have people in our life who see the world differently than we do, we often put them in a hierarchy as well, thinking less of them. Have you ever said, how can someone believe like that? That's so ridiculous, right? We do this. Paul is trying to talk about that we are not, as people of faith, to ascribe value to people, but we are to see, as people of faith, that we are all equal and equally loved. So, so far, we've talked about the joy of community, the joy of relationships isn't found in uniformity, but is in something deeper, God's claim on each of us in our baptism. And then the second thing we talked about was when it's hard for us to get along, we're encouraged to drink of God's Spirit, for God's Spirit, for the Spirit makes us one. And this includes worshiping together, sharing life with those not like us, praying, all these things. And then the third thing we just looked at is we are to put aside hierarchy and to value all people equally. Now, these three are what I'd call the basics of Christian community. You know, you're going to hear these, and you probably have heard these. These are kind of the foundation and the basics of what it means to be in community. But I know when I talk to a lot of people and I talk about community and why it matters so much and why we should all be in it, and they say something like, yeah, I don't really need community. I'm pretty good on my own. I think I got to figure it out myself. I don't really want to share my life with other people. Other people are exhausting. I just like to be on my own. Now, if that's you, and I know it is some of you, because that's just human nature, I want to give you some reasons why we all need community and the joy that community can bring. And the first is this. You need to walk with others. You need others to walk alongside you in this journey of life. Now, I know... A lot of you like to walk alone, <laughs> but walking together is important. It's important because it keeps you safer. When we walk together, we have more eyes and ears that help keep us safe. It's supportive. It's important to have other people around us to support us and give us hope. 
especially when we're in those moments of life where we're about to give up and throw in the towel. You know, it's like if you were to run a marathon, and as you're running, there's all those people on the sidelines cheering people on. We all need that. Also, it's smarter. (laughs) It is smarter to have community because we all need each other. You know, this week, as we heard of yet another horrible mass shooting and the death of so many innocent people, I was struck again by how is it in life that we can go through the hard things without each other? We need community to get us through the difficulties of life. Life is heavy, and to carry these burdens ourselves is impossible. We need others who love us and will care for us in the midst of the terrible things that life can bring our way. In times of tragedy, we really learn we can't do it alone, that we need each other, that we have to stand together to comfort each other and to help each other go on. You need others to walk with you. Second, community is God's answer to loneliness. Loneliness in our culture is an epidemic. I mean, sometimes I think we think of loneliness as something that passes and isn't around. You know, you might feel it for an evening, but it's not something that undergirds your life. But I can tell you there's lots of people dealing with loneliness, and it's chronic. And when loneliness is chronic, it develops into medical conditions. I think one of the things that complicate this is that a lot of people don't want to say I'm lonely. There's a stigma that goes with that in our culture. And so people who often feel lonely don't know what to do, and so they take on even more anxiety and stress. Loneliness can be a significant predictor of poor health as we age. God, in God's wisdom, created two families for each of us. One family that we are born into. Our mom and our dad and our siblings, our aunts and our uncles, our family friends. And the second is our spiritual family. Many people don't realize this. In fact, we understand we have a physical family, but we don't recognize that God has created an additional family for each of us, a spiritual family. Our spiritual families, our church, and our our small group, and the people we serve alongside. And if you come on Sundays, that's a good start to getting connected. But your spiritual family has to be that place where you're able to share your life and share what's going on with you. And so we really call people to be in small groups and and to serve alongside others so they can have a spiritual family that they connect to as a regular part of life. Community is God's answer to loneliness. Community is also God's answer to fatigue. A couple weeks ago, I had a 24-hour bug It was just like a little virus or something. But I missed my Friday off because I was in bed the whole day. And in that day, I missed lunch with a friend I hadn't seen since before COVID, 
a massage with my favorite person, and then hanging out in the evening with my book club. I was miserable, and it's not just because I was sick. We all have those weeks where we look forward to that connection with people for the refreshment we find in hanging out with others, how we gain strength from being with people. If you are tired, it may be because you just don't have the support that you need. You know, it's like the Amish when they used to build a barn together. These are not the Amish, but it's the only picture I had. <laughs> the Amish building a barn. No one ever said when they were building a barn and the community showed up to build it, no, no, I got it. I can put up all these walls and build all this by myself. No, it was a community project. Community is God's answer to fatigue. Okay, so let me summarize. The joy of community is not about a community of perfect people who all agree and get along 100% of the time. Because that, my friends, is just not going to happen. But it is about real people who decide that they want to live their life through the eyes of faith. The joy of community is found when we recognize that we need to walk with others in this life. And that community is God's ultimate answer both to loneliness and to fatigue. Community is essential for us all. So I invite you to take a challenge in these coming months as you think about community. If you're already in a small group, and I know about 60% of our church is in small groups, if you are in a small group already, I invite you in the summer when you're not necessarily meeting to strengthen those bonds in other ways, especially as we have the pastoral transition, looking out for each other and saying, how's it going? And have you been to church to meet the new pastors yet? Keep an eye on each other in the midst of it. And if you're not in a small group, I want you to start thinking on what that might look like. We're doing a summer dinner church, which we've done last year and then a couple years before that. And this is an evening opportunity where you come, you sit at tables, we just put you in a little small group for that night. We have dinner and we also have a program and your new pastors will be there. So it will be a way for you to get to meet them as well. So if you're not in a small group, this can be a little way to dip your toe in and see what you think about it. Okay, community matters. Community matters. And there, my friends, is no joy like the joy of community. Let us pray.